listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma for USC. He makes it sound like it came the the opportunity came up this weekend, and he took it rather quickly. Obviously, it's always hard to to believe these guys, but Lincoln Riley moving to the West Coast, and a lot of people excited. Particularly, there, there's some people who think he's going to take some recruits with him. A lot of people excited for the future of West Coast football. Okay, so what numbers? Are the most act, or I guess the most uh, reported with the most certainty so far, cash wise? I, I haven't seen. I've seen two, two completely differing reports, so I don't know what the real numbers are for for uh, for him yet. And USC being a private school, it's not necessarily certain that it's going to come out. So what are the what's the two sets? Uh, I, I don't have them in front of me. I, I I saw them today, and then when I couldn't find an accurate number, I just moved on. Robert okay, Hefner so of, of- the Oklahoma Insider said $110 million, and that doesn't include USC buying both his houses at 500000 each <laughs> over value and buying him a $6 million home in L.A. All right. And how many years is the contract? Hasn't been reported that I've okay. seen. So, I mean, it can't be more than 10. It's probably less. It's probably, you know, let's assume, I mean, I, I guess the thing that strikes me financially is there's been a quantum leap here. From even a couple years ago, um, college football, NFL. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that six, seven million a year was the top end for coaches, and and maybe with a handful of exceptions, even that. And I mean, AJ, you follow the colleges really closely. I mean, even five years ago, wasn't that the case in college? Yes, and that's why you know the other day, I guess it was like last week when Mel Tucker got his extension from Michigan State, making him the second highest paid coach in in the country. It just kind of set me aback a little bit. Like, really, this that guy is the next high? I mean, it's just the the numbers are skyrocketing basically all all around the country. And I think it was an inefficient market. It was wrong that these coaches were not getting a lot. Or this, or let's say in this range before. Now we can all say uh, a coach makes for one game more than a school teacher does in ten years, and we can lament that. But it really is economics. Is if we wanted to pay school teachers more, we would. And as a society, which you know, as the um, you know, obviously. Uh, a politician can run and say, well, it's a governor, it's going to be about raises for the teachers, and maybe they'd win, but it hasn't happened. And th- what generates revenue directly is sports like college football, you know, revenue generating, and college basketball, and it's we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, and, you know, into the billions. And then who has the biggest effect? You know, there's been studies. How much has Nick Saban benefited University of Alabama? And it's been astronomical. Think about it. Think about just if you just hear a passing roll tide. Is it, would that be the case if it wasn't for him? No. no. So to me, as much as we can say, oh, society's mixed up. But you know who's mixed up is the consumers who are generating revenue that is getting split up with the coach. I'm happy the coaches are finally getting it. I'm happy the players are getting some sh- a share, maybe not their full share in college, but 
or certainly not, I don't think, but they're getting some, and that's a good step in the right direction. But if everyone watched college football and went to the games as little as they do the darts championship or the bocce championships, I don't, you know, I'm pretty good at bocce, but I don't think that there's any professionals out there or many, and thus they're not getting paid a lot of money or any money. Why? Because there's no revenue. So we're, we as a society are deciding on who gets paid what effectively by what we support. AJ, when you look at these numbers, does it take, does it cause you to think that's wrong or is it economics to you? No, I, I mean, I, I think that you're you're starting to see a shift where you've got to keep these these coaches away from the pro ranks, and if you want to pay, if you want to keep them, you've got to you've got to pay them accordingly. And USC in particular has gotten by for a long time, really, since Pete Carroll on discount coaches. They haven't paid a coach more than five million dollars since you know how, how, how they've been doing. But not very well. And I think that's why they decided, you know what, maybe it's better to open up the purse strings and get back to paying a guy a premium salary who can do a premium job. All right. That's A.J. Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas. Okay. Here's the big question. Colin right here on FSR is giddy, I think it's fair to say. (laughs) And my question is to you, A.J., as an expert in college football, is this a good thing for college football? And when I say this, I mean – A coach from Oklahoma, one of the top 10 programs, who historically, that coach would have been there until he retired. I mean, think about this now. Name me a coach that left Oklahoma by his own volition and then to to coach somewhere else. Bob Stoops retired. You know, Switzer went to the NFL. So let's accept the NFL to be what it is. That is a step up in almost all cases. Maybe Jacksonville, no, but in almost all (laughs) cases. And it just seems to me the idea of a Notre Dame coach leaving for another job, has that ever happened? It's never happened. Well, not not since Newt Rockney, pardon me. Where'd he go? It's been a long, long time. Where'd he coach at? Uh, Brad, where did Newt Rockney go to? You were the one who gave me that nugget. I'll, I'll grab that in one okay. second. Yeah. Yeah. New, yeah. Every, apparently, there's. I mean, guys have left for the NFL before, but never yeah, have yeah. left I, on their I, own I just, volition listen, and, I, and gone to college. I'm kind of concerned about the New Rockney thing because it doesn't fit with my. You know, I, I didn't see that in the movie, but okay, okay. <laughs> but what we're saying here is that the idea of a Notre Dame having their coach leave, say thank you, but I got a better gig in college. That's a change to have a coach. Leave Oklahoma and say, I got a better gig in college. That's a change. Is this good or bad? I think it's good. I think it's good in particular because USC is going, I think USC could be put back on the map. And I think the more of those big power programs that are relevant, the better. And I think Oklahoma's done a really good job. I mean, they found Lincoln Riley off the Stoops quit, and the next day they were like, Lincoln Riley's the guy. They were ready for it. And well, I don't think I anybody mean, saw Stoops find, walking they, away. Hold on a second. They didn't find Lincoln Riley. He, I mean, he was there, he was a prodigy in a way. Uh, he actually started with Leach at Texas Tech as a coach, at like at like 23 or 24. And yeah, no doubt, he, he got into this, you know, stoop system and he was a great next person. 
But how often does that happen? And maybe it's happening a little bit more because day at a high state you would put in that category, yep. you know, like in waiting. But I'm not sure there was someone in waiting for the 30-something coach. Probably not. I, I, do, I do think that Oklahoma somehow was caught off guard by this when Lincoln Riley's name. Well, we all were caught off guard, right? I mean, what, I I, wasn't, the, I think, wasn't, wasn't the theory that maybe one day uh, Jerry Jones would put up enough money to climb you know, away from Oklahoma to go coach the Cowboys? The day they announced that Ed Orgeron was leaving LSU, Lincoln Riley's name started just lighting on fire. Like everybody was like, well, "Oh, yeah, it's, it's- he's going to be." He, he was going to be named in every job that was an elite job. But the odds of him going were certainly—I I, I don't think there were even odds on it. You know, specifically, would Lincoln Riley leave? I mean, there were odds if he go to LSU or whatever. But I—I I think they would have been far less than seventy or twenty-five percent that he was going anywhere this year. Um, this was a shocker, in my opinion. Um, and I, I mean, have you, I mean, boy, the USC over, I guess in theory over LSU is the first question. Mike Lombardi, friend of the show reported, he said that he has it from reliable sources that they pretty much had a deal. And when I say pretty much, it wasn't signed obviously, but they had an agreement might be the way to say it, LSU and Lincoln Riley. And then that weekend, to the point that they were, and this is again Mike Lombardi, that they had literally ordered the food for the event of the announcement (laughs) and all that. And cold feet was what Lombardi said. The fact that, you know, assuming that reporting's true, and I've always found him to be reliable, is the idea that he was up for or considering two jobs and he took one and almost took the other. It makes you wonder about Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley's concern about the SEC. I mean, the thing we got to keep in mind is Texas, Oklahoma going into the SEC here in you know the near future. Uh, it feels like he wanted to find his own little ACC in which it'd be you know Dabo style. It'd be easy to get into the playoffs. This feels kind of weak in a way. I think you could make that argument because there are a lot of people who are saying he was scared of the SEC, whether by leaving Oklahoma or not choosing LSU. And you can make a good argument for it. But if getting to the playoffs is where your bonuses are going to be met, it's I mean, a lot we, easier. With to, $110 million, we're worried about the bonuses? Well, I mean, I, I doubt those bonuses are anything to sneeze at if they're paying I, well, for I, I, I'm sure they can't possibly move the needle. I mean, if that's what he's deciding his career over at this point, obviously the money's important, but at a certain point... It can't be that. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, RJ, let's take a look at the odds for the next head coach at Oklahoma. And the favorite is Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables at plus 250. Mm, now, Venables, if I recall, and I actually, uh, as I've said it once or twice uh, my best friend is real close with the Stoopses and you know I was actually at Mark Stoops wedding and you know I know him pretty well and I uh, if I recall Venables was at Oklahoma for a long time right he was okay I I don't know about that so um, 
What do you think? What? So who's the second? Uh, is Bob Stoops on the list? Bob Stoops is on the list. The, the second favorite is a tie between Lane Kiffin and Mark Stoops, though this these odds may have been posted before Mark Stoops agreed to an extension today. Yeah, but the extension doesn't mean, if anything, that's him leveraging. It I could mean, be. I mean, he's going to he's gonna have a fallback position at Kentucky with a, with another raise, and then he, he's going to have a buyout, whatever that is. And I'm uh, guessing he negotiated. He might have brought down the buyout for all we know. They're both at five to one. Matt Campbell, the Iowa State coach, is six to one. Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati coach, is seven to one. Jay Norvell, the coach at Nevada, is eight to one. Bob Stoops, nine to one, and Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel at ten to one. All right, let's put in a best bet, Bob Stoops. Because oh really? The, say it again. Yeah, I say. Oh, right. now, I'm just. I'm taking this seriously because you know the family. Well, no, this is not inside info. But what I, well, kind of. I mean, I guess is, but it seems obvious. Bob has been itching, and I mean, what was it a year ago that he was considering like the AAU or, or that crazy? Was it the XFL or the other? The one? XFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Right, how itching is he? <laughs> right. Do, and. Do you th- and Do you I think, think he left on his own accord from Oklahoma? Yes, yes, yes. But it was something where my understanding is, I'll say, allegedly, is that the, the, the power base was weakening a little bit. And it was like he could have stayed. You know how, I mean, it doesn't happen as much these days, but, you know, Woody Hayes held on until he punched the guy. You know, guys tend to hang on, these. you know, if they're legends, right? And... Uh, you know, he didn't, but I think it would have been a weakening. You know, I, I, I lived through Chuck Knoll in the 80s and with the Steelers. And let me tell you something. They weren't going to fire him, but he wasn't up to snuff at that point. At least it seemed to me. Um, and the record says so. So my sense was that, that there was thought, you know, the whole big game Bob thing became kind of ironic. Right. Because he wasn't winning a lot of big games. Right. And it seemed like the whole country had I mean, let's just say this. Bob Stoops' reputation was outstanding in 2010, let's say. And it was a pretty dropped off when he left. And I think it's back now. I think that absence makes the heart grow fonder. And, I mean, you follow college football better than or more closely than me. Wouldn't you say that the kind of the um, – College football had soured on Bob Stoops uh, as a top top coach. At the I end. agree with that. And it feels like now there's no talk of that. It's like could they get Stoops? You know, that's the you know Bob. Um, I I think it, there's a heck of a chance because remember now Oklahoma is going to make a bowl game. So are they talking about next the beginning of next year? How's that? Who will that be the war- next full time Oklahoma head coach? Is what they're talking. Full time. Okay. I see. I would not be surprised if they say let's bridge this thing, right? Two or three years with him. Get him to the SEC. He. I mean, think about it. if he had a short time to do it where they knew there was almost like, hey, we're going to do it in 2022, three and four. We'll play our first season. And do we know exactly when they're going to the SEC? We don't. They said five years, but no one seems to think it's going to take a full five years. No, it doesn't seem. If anything, this might expedite it because the Big 12 just got weakened too. Sure. You know, it will be even more when Oklahoma leaves. But And then you look at Texas in turmoil. I mean, who, who, I mean right now, who's the, be, who's the uh, even with the existing Big 12 members, 
you know, forgetting that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. I mean, who's the the shining star right now? Oklahoma State or Baylor? Yeah, I mean, they're the best team. But what I'm saying is, who's like you're going to build a league around? Yeah, and I don't think you're going to build a Power Five league around any of these programs. Mike Gundy's been there a long time. He's got a, a name brand, but if that's the best program that your conference has, you're not you're not all that viable as a power program or as a power conference. How many NFL fans? So people who are watching the NFL at 1:30 Eastern this Sunday. So normal, casual, you know, watching the game, but they're not fanatics. How many people know who the head coach of Oklahoma State is? Is it half? I don't think so. Yeah, it might not be half. Can't build a program around or a a conference around that, I don't think. No. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Okay, so do you? I think that bridge idea makes some sense. I'm not saying it's a sure thing, but at nine to one, Bob Stoops is a bet. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts Notre Dame next time next full-time head coach the favorite at minus 200 Marcus Freeman the current defensive coordinator at Notre Dame uh, 35 years old I don't think they're going to let I don't think Notre Dame's the kind of job where they say you this is a great place for it to be your first head coaching job so I I don't think there it looks like a prohibitive favorite I don't believe in this so who's next Luke Fickle, plus 175, the Cincinnati coach. And the big question about him getting a bigger job was, could he really leave the footprint that he's worked his entire career in in the Midwest and take that show on the road and have the same success? Now that's not going to be a question. I think he makes a lot of sense for this job. Okay, so when you say take that show on the road, it was, you mean Fickle taking a job before the Notre Dame job came open and it was yes, like maybe Luke, LSU, maybe whatever. Right, right. Would Fickle, would Fickle's recruiting, would his, would his style of play, would that work on the West Coast or on the South Coast? And there were a lot of people who had doubts because he spent his entire coaching career in the state of Ohio and didn't really have much of a footprint outside of it as Cincinnati's not really a nationally recruiting program. Uh, but this, a guy who's a Midwest guy in Notre Dame, I think makes a lot of sense. Okay, I am going to guess. Now, Fickle has a great reputation. He came in after, uh, let's just call it the the unpleasant affairs that were going on. Uh, <laughs> I think a while back. I don't like to talk about it too much, but uh, you know, let's just say Trestle got fooled. A very honest guy, and. He came in, actually, if I recall, it was either 6-7 and seven season or 7-6. and six. Now, that was Colin today, a little correction here on FSR. He says, even Ohio State's down. No, 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 no. They haven't been. I mean, <laughs> look at the record from Earl Bruce, you know, from his last game, and find me the down year. The fickle year, you could make the case at 500 one year, but they went undefeated the next year. Right, so Urban Meyer's first year. So if you if you kind of go on if you go 500 and undefeated, they they had a 
they were out of the bowls, right? So they couldn't make any bowl game. You remember that year, don't you, yeah. AJ? Yeah, and if that's the worst thing that's happened to you in the last 25 years, you're yeah, probably doing Yeah, the undefeated right. year in one of the two. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and not 25 years. Earl Bruce goes back to 88. So, okay. uh, you know, figure it out. Thir- I mean, it'd be uh, 33. 35 years, yeah. 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 So, yeah, high state's not down, never will be. But I can see the other programs have been, though – Maybe I'm being a little extra sensitive right now because there was an unfortunate (laughs) event this weekend. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.